Have you ever thought about becoming a freelancer on popular websites like Fiverr or Upwork? Today, we're talking to Mike, who's an expert in the freelancing and Fiverr world with over five years of experience. We're going to see how much profit you could potentially make with freelancing on Fiverr as a side hustle, tips and tricks, and what is needed for you to start making money today. Now, let's jump right into the interview. All right, now we're jumping into the interview. We have Mike here, and the first question we have is, how long have you been a freelancer for? So I've been freelancing on Fiverr um, since 2019, 2018, 2019, around there. Wow, so several years of experience. Um, what's like the, the typical like service you offer freelancing on Fiverr? And yeah, if you kind of walk us through that. Yeah, so I, uh, I focus mainly on copywriting. So I come from a sales background. I've been in tech sales for like the last 10 years. So I'm, I'm doing mostly sales and marketing emails. I'll write campaigns for people. I'll write website content for people. As of late, I've been doing YouTube coaching and consulting as well, as well as, um, you know, general website analysis where I provide feedback to help people improve their sales and marketing efforts. Oh, wow. So it sounds like you previously had experience with sales and then you're just using that to start off as a side hustle from your full-time job with the freelancing. And then it kind of, it seems to be really involved into something a lot bigger than what you originally started then, would you say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, um, in sales, I, I sent a lot of emails prospecting for clients and stuff like that. So that was kind of my, my foot in the door. And over the last like four or five years, I've kind of been branching off from that. Okay. What would you say is your typical uh, client then for your services? Is it someone small time or is it business or what would you say? That's a good question. So it kind of ranges. I mean, over the last however many years, I've done about 800 projects. Most of them are for like startup-y type companies. Like I would say five to 20 employees. Occasionally I'll get like a like a mid-market, we'll call it a mid-market size company with hundreds of employees where like a, a director of a department is looking to get some work outsourced, but it's mainly startups and small businesses. Okay. And then are these clients like repeat customers usually, or is it typically just one off and then on to the next customer? Yeah. So I, I, I would say probably the majority of my business are one off, like due to the nature of a lot of these businesses are just pure startups, like solopreneurs that are reaching out to outsource stuff. The sad reality is some of them probably don't survive, but I do have a lot of repeat clients. Typically they're clients that are selling a product or service that you know, requires new marketing collateral, new email campaigns throughout the year. And they'll bring me on to to create whatever it is, whether it's a seasonal campaign or just something that's a little bit refreshed. Okay. And then where do you go about finding your clients? You mentioned Fiverr, but do you use any other websites? So Fiverr as it stands is currently my, my primary source of business, but um, I have done like direct outreach to businesses in the past where I'll kind of identify a type of business that I think my services will be a pretty good fit for. And I'll go on their website, either finding a contact email or a phone number. And, you know, I used to give them a call or send them an email, letting them know that I offer this type of service. And if it's something that was interesting to them, we'd set up a call and kind of go from there. Okay. Would you say it's better if once you get established to, you know, kind of take that the business off Fiverr? Do you, is it larger percentage? I'm sure that you get to keep, but is it would you recommend it or is it better to have that protection as, you know, the person providing the actual service on Fiverr to them? So that's a, that's a really good question. So I, I'm a huge Fiverr fan. They take care of a lot of the backend payment processing. They have a search algorithm that kind of helps you get traffic. So I'll probably always keep my gigs active on Fiverr and whatever business I get there, I'll keep on there. 
just because it is such a huge platform and to do what they do to the level they do it, like from like a an impressions or a views perspective through paid advertising or something like that, it would be probably as expensive or more expensive uh, as the 20% that they take. But yeah, like starting to find your own clients and building relationships on your own is super valuable because obviously you don't have to pay that 20% and you have full control over that client. Um, but I do both. And I, that's something I recommend a lot in my channel as well. Like I, I don't think it makes sense to just pick one lane and stick to it. Like obviously do what works and lean into that, but having different sources of revenue and, and lead flow is important. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a great tip, especially I think a lot of people don't, you know, think of all the, the, the benefits you get with Fiverr, like like you talk about the advertising. If you were to do that on your own, who knows how much you'd be paying? And that's another thing you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. What about if you're starting out and you want to put your your gig on Fiverr? What do you need in order to get started? So number one, and I talk about this a lot, is something of value to sell. A lot of people will skip this step and just think that since there's this marketplace, they just put up an ad and money will start rolling in, which is a huge misconception. So I, I think that I'm just being a little intense here, but that is obviously step one. But beyond that, if you have a skill set or a type of service or task that you can complete for people, it's pretty simple. You need to create an account. Um, you create a like an advert, like an image. They call it a gig image because every, every listing on Fiverr is called a gig. So you would need an image that's kind of descriptive. Maybe it has a picture of yourself. You need to think of a solid title. And then you have to think of, spend some time thinking about how you're going to offer that service for sale, like how you're going to sell it, Are you going to offer different packages based on volume of work or, you know, complexity of work, things like that. Figure out your pricing so that when you're ready to go, you have everything you need to create a nice polished gig listing that represents your services accurately and also has pricing set up in a way where you're not going to get a project and realize you way underpriced yourself and you're, you're kind of now not looking forward to completing something. So I think doing that is probably all you need to get started. And then once you start getting like a bit of order flow coming in and you see what the experiences are like with the types of customers you're getting, you can obviously tweak things as you go along. And that's probably a good idea. Okay. So it sounds like it's simple to get started as in you, you know, put up a gig with your laptop, but in order to be successful with it, it's actually going to take some good amount of upfront work, whether to create a good quality listing and make sure that Number one, like you said, provide a service that is actually useful for someone and not not just because you toss up a service, someone's actually going to book it and pay for it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that, you put it in great words. Like it's super easy to create a gig listing on Fiverr and get started, but you should put some time into making it something that's actually going to be impactful. Otherwise, who's going to select you, right? Exactly, yeah. Especially if you want the side hustle or even to turn into a full-time job to you know last a while, you're going to have to have good professional services that you can provide to someone. Exactly. Why would you say that you picked freelancing instead of all the other side hustles out there? That's an amazing question. So I didn't. Over the last 15 years, I've done a ton of side hustles. Like I've I've gone to auctions and bought stuff that I sold at flea markets. I've sold my friend's old clothes on consignment. 
I was like an amateur pro poker player. I thought I was going to do that full time. <laughs> I ran a bunch of different blogs. Like I did one on cars. I was really interested in cars. I did one on poker where I would teach people how to play micro stakes. I did one on soccer called the Big Lewandowski. It's like kind of like a, a play on the Big Lebowski, very popular movie. Um, so I've done a lot of side hustles, if I'm being honest. Some were moderately successful. Most failed. Like I, I used to hustle tickets, like concert tickets before StubHub existed. Like I would, me and my friends would take our, all of our credit cards and our parents' credit cards and buy like 20 tickets to the Red Hot Chili Peppers and then scalp them if we could. So I was really like a big side hustler before I knew it was a side hustle. I was just trying to make money however I could. And freelancing and Fiverr came around at a time where... I was at a point where I was going well in my career and I, you know, just bought a house, condo, needed some cash for mortgage and life and this and that. And I didn't want to really just switch my career. So I started doing stuff on the side based on the skills I'd learned in my career. And it's stuck and it's been going great. And it evolved into YouTube as well. And yeah, so it's just it's just kind of luck, like through process of elimination, I've tried so many things, freelancing and like video creation stuff ended up being the things that I resonated most with me at this point in my life. Yeah, that's a pretty cool story. Would you say too that all the different side hustles that you try, you know, kind of helps you to where you are today with like providing, you know, a professional service to, you know, your clients. So it's like, maybe it takes into account the risk when playing cards or flipping tickets to understand that there's like a business opportunity there. So totally. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think the number one thing that it's given me is like my BS meter has gone <laughs> through the roof. Like I, I was a young, naive guy when I was younger, I did a lot of stuff that required like huge investment up front, like huge relative to like a 16 year old's income. Um, but yeah, it, trying stuff was huge for me. And like, I talk about this all the time with my friends or people who watch my stuff. It's like, I don't regret any of it because if you don't try something, you don't know whether that's the thing or what the next thing would be. So I, I love that I tried all these things and I'm very grateful and fortunate for it because it's really, it's gotten me to a point where me, my fiance, my family, I'm able to like pay for stuff and live a good life. And that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's great to hear. And I feel like from trying out all the different side hustles, you realize, you know, what, what your skills are and then what complements them, what side hustle really goes with it. And it seems like this, you found something where your work, you were really able to hone in on these skills and now you're able to offer those to other clients. So it's cool that it just works together. What about going back to your actual listings now on Fiverr? What would you say is like, or how would you go about bidding your projects and what's like the average price per project? Yeah, so my, I'll, I'll start just up by talking about my gigs where I offer emails for sale, where I'm actually copywriting emails and subject lines. So I price, I have a price for single emails, which at this point in time is $100. And then a package of three is 270 and a package of five is 400. So the way I got to that pricing over the years is I'm just offering volume discounts for people who are willing to commit upfront to me writing a longer sequence for them. But it started, I started at $5. So when I first started on the site, I realized that reviews and ratings were really valuable to my ability to grow this business. So I was writing $5 emails. Sometimes I would write multiple emails for $5 <laughs> just to get ratings. And over the years, I've just gradually pulled the prices up to the point that made the most sense for the level of value I'm currently able to provide and what people are willing to pay for that value where right now I'm in a pretty, pretty happy medium. Like it's pretty balanced with the type of clients I want to work with. 
Okay, so yeah, it sounds like you have to start off, you know, charging basically anything to get the, the review. And then once you establish your account and have positive reviews, people know how good of a service you provide, you can increase uh, your price over time. Okay. 100%, yeah. All right. And then going off of like uh, charging per price, you know, I know one of the big questions we're going to get is how much money can you make in a day and in a month with freelancing? So that's, that's a hard question. So you could make $0 in a day. Um, I have a lot of days where I make $0, especially now I'm at a point where my prices are kind of like a premium price. So I'm not getting orders every day anymore, but I'm getting larger orders less frequently. So you could go like over the last three or four years, my average monthly income is probably like two and a half grand per month. So whatever that works out to daily, my average order value is about $130. And my biggest month ever, I think was like $4,200. This is me. And I'll, I'll put a little caveat here. I do this totally part-time. This is a true side hustle for me. The whole time I've had a full-time job, I probably spend two to four hours a week on Fiverr. So for me, that's excellent. And there have been months, especially as I was creeping my prices up where the order volume was getting crazy and I would up the prices to control it. So I personally know people who make $30,000 a month doing whatever, copywriting, video editing, video spokesperson stuff. And then there's people who make $100 per month just because that's what they're happy making. So it really is a huge range and it depends on obviously your skill set and the value you can provide, but um, also your bandwidth and how much you want to work. Like Fiverr has like 4 million active buyers. So there's like a huge pool of potential business. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was all great points. I think especially that you're saying how much time you put in a week. I feel like if you wanted to, it sounds like you could really scale this up, take on more clients, but for you, it is truly a side hustle. And then you can kind of limit it. Like you said, how much clients you take in about by charging more uh, or less depending if you want to take more. So I think that's a, a great tip and some great insight too, that it's basically up to who's ever watching this video, like what they want to make of it. Does this want to replace your full-time job or is it part-time something for spending money? So yeah. yeah and one point before your next question to you, what you just said, is this something that can replace your full-time job? It is, but it's totally up to you and whether you make that happen. Like I kind of alluded to this earlier, you're not just going to create a gig and you're going to get $10,000 of orders every month. You got to hustle to make that happen. And once you start hustling and you start making it happen, the ball starts rolling for you. And then like it gets kind of more on autopilot. So just huge caveat, like you're, you're kind of the factor and how seriously you take it matters. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think especially with any side hustle, but especially for freelancing with Fiverr, it's like we talked about, you're not going to just put up a, a gig and then all of a sudden get requests for, you know, tens of clients for hundreds of dollars and it's not going to keep rolling in. It's like work in progress, like you were talking about. So based off of, I guess, our total income, you could expect kind of depends on the person, but do you have any expenses when it comes to any of the services you offer with the copywriting? Yeah. So for me, it's like you need a laptop or something like an iPad with a keyboard, a desktop laptop. I already had one, so I, I don't know if I would count that as an expense, but that's probably the bare minimum. Obviously, you need an internet connection. And nowadays, like you can use free word processing software like Google Docs or something like that um, to get the, the words onto the page. You might need, depending on how you sell, like 
Kevin and I are talking on Zoom right now. If if part of your process is to have like Zoom con- consultations to do like discovery or to learn about your clients, you might have to subscribe to Zoom. But overhead is pretty low for copywriting. Like I, I tell a lot of people who are looking to get started who ask, hey, can I do this on my phone? It's not ideal because it's hard to type a huge block of text on a phone screen, but Google Docs or Word or whatever works on an iPhone or Android. So you could totally even just do this on your phone if you want. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty limited barrier and entry as far as cost-wise, but it goes back to how much value you're actually providing to your clients. Exactly. What about, is there anything you wish you would have known before getting started with freelancing? We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, one thing I didn't really plan for was probably a year in when things were starting to go really well. I really didn't think much about time management or, you know, setting boundaries for when I would do work. So like I had some months where I was getting like 30, 40 orders. Wow. That was a lot for me. And I was just doing them like nights, weekends, like in the airport, going on vacation with my fiance. Like I was just working all the time. I wish I kind of anticipated that more and did a better job balancing things, but I, I kind of know now and that's something that I, I'm very conscious of. So I would say if you're new and starting out to this, just just realize that you're starting something that is above and beyond your job, your personal life, your commitments, all that stuff. And if things start going well, they're going to start going well fast. And you're going to have to learn to control that like spigot of like how much flow you're willing to take on uh, and just make sure you don't let it consume things that are important like family friends fitness things like that yeah i think that's a great point i think it comes to you know being balanced with it whether you have a full-time job or you know your family friends like making sure that just because you put up your your service and your gig you could actually you know fulfill those for your customers and do it in a quality time and also you know present some quality material to them 100 percent. what about who would you recommend not to do this side hustle who should not do the side hustle well I think the most obvious like type of person would probably be someone who's not good at dealing with problems that are unexpected, right? Like the nature of working a freelance business, especially when you're starting out, it'll be a transactional business where you're probably doing a lot of smaller value orders. In that type of a situation, especially online, there's a lot of room for expectations to be missed, miscommunications. You deliver a project, a client doesn't like it, and they're kind of giving you a hard time. What do you do? Do you give them free work? Do you argue? Do you refund? There's a lot of situations like that that come up. And if you're not prepared to handle this with a level head, I know a lot of people get really stressed out and it just ruins it for them. Probably not the best because then you have to really assess, is is this worth it for me? So you kind of have to have that entrepreneurial problem solver bug 
Otherwise, it's going to be really tough. Okay, yeah, I think that's great insight. I mean, I'm sure you're going to be dealing with, you know, unhappy customers or ones customers that just demand unreasonable amount. So no matter what, they're not going to be happy. But I feel like, yeah, trying to solve it with a level head, like you mentioned, is the, the best way to go about it, though. Totally. What about if someone were to get started today, what would be the, the three steps you would tell them? Step one is like research and figure out what skill set you're going to focus on. And I would say focus on that until you get the ball rolling. Um, step two is to spend some time testing the waters like we talked about earlier with low cost services to see, you know, how much time it takes to complete things, how much effort it takes to complete things. So you can kind of figure out where you need to price for it to be worth your time. And then number three, I would say is, you know, time block. If you're going to do this, um, block your calendar for when your your freelance time is going to be. That way, you know, once you've done all the the, the table stake stuff, like creating images and, and descriptions and all that, you have a framework built that can really help you succeed. Okay. Yeah, I think that's great tips. And yeah, I think especially blocking out time, especially if you want to use this as something to scale, I think it's you know, making sure that you have the time to put in it every day or every week, whatever you decide. Totally. Yeah. And then like work backwards from there. Like don't bite off more than you can chew if you've, you've allocated a certain number of hours to something. Okay. What about for someone who's, you know, starting a new account? Do you have any tips for them to, you know, maybe get their, their first service? It sounds like you could lower the price to initially get reviews, but what about like the actual listing pictures or putting a video? Do you have any overall tips? Yeah, I, I would totally recommend you do put pictures, you do put a video, preferably with yourself in it, just to differentiate from like all the all the others out there that are just using stock footage. Like that's the best way is to be personable, show that you're a human, things like that. I would also spend time studying what your best competition is doing. Like Fiverr is really easy to filter accounts based on reviews or relevancy and things like that. Take a look at what other people doing what you're doing or doing. Don't like rip them off, but see what works. See, you know, how they're pricing their services, who they're targeting, and kind of use that to form an opinion of what you should do for yourself. And that, that'll probably save you a lot of time. Yeah, that's a great tip right there. I think it goes back to your previous point of, you know, making sure to do the research about, you know, your listing and then also the competition. And yeah, I mean, you really want to stand out. That way you could really, you know, get booked by your, your clients. Totally. So I have uh, another question here. I know Chat GPT has been all over the news. I want to hear your take from someone who's an expert at freelancing and Fiverr. Do you think that's something you could use within your writing, or do you think that's something that's very obvious for you know potential customers? So it's funny. I actually have like a video script that I've been working on all day today, where I'm comparing what it can do versus what I do, and like giving a fair analysis over it. But it's a tough question because it depends on who's using it right? Like I've tested it out a bunch. It's super cool. Like everyone and their mother's making videos about it. <laughs> um, and it's cool. It's powerful, but it depends, right? Like if, if you're just in need of a tool that can help you write something, like in my case, I'm a copywriter. I do sales and marketing emails. If you're someone who doesn't speak English very well, you're targeting a US market or a Canadian market or an English speaking market, and you need emails written or text written to help sell something or describe something, amazing tool for you because it's probably going to do way better job than you can. If you're kind of a little bit more established, you're selling a competitive product in a competitive market, and people are used to getting a lot of email spam or solicitation requests, it's probably not the best because it's not personalized. It's it's a, it's a robot. It doesn't have that human understanding of like what people want, what makes people tick. And I think that's what makes a lot of 
good marketing copy so effective? So I think it depends, depends on you and what you're capable of, depends on what your goal is. If you're just a high volume email marketer and you go, you don't care about conversion rate because you're sending it to 10 million people, random email addresses, just spray and pray. Great. It's great for you. It'll save you some time. But if you're kind of selling a high value service or product and the people you're selling to are getting sold to a lot by other companies, you could use it as a tool for generating ideas, I think, pretty effectively. But a lot of people are talking about it replacing writers. I, I just don't see that being the case for a while. Okay. Yeah, I think that's some great insight. Yeah, I was very curious, especially with all of your uh, years of experience. So, yeah, it's good to hear. But, yeah, just kind of wrapping everything up, I think we definitely learned a lot, especially myself. But any final tips for someone who's looking to, you know, get started today? Yeah, I mean, after watching a video like this, um, my number one piece of advice is to just shut your computer and go start planning and starting it because procrastination is like the killer of all progress. And, you know, you just got to start at some point, right? So I think Kevin covered a lot of amazing questions in this video. There's a lot of resources online. Once you've decided you want to do it, just do it, start and figure it out from there. And that's the best way to go, I think. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. I think a lot of people, you know, over plan or do too much research, but I'm a firm believer, though, you get, you know, the best kind of experience hands-on and actually testing it out for yourself. Yeah, totally, totally agree. But yeah, that was all of our questions. I want to thank you for, you know, taking the time today. And if anyone's interested in, you know, learning more about freelancing or Fiverr, we're going to have your YouTube channel down below. So if anyone wants to check that out, but yeah, thank you for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Cool. Take it easy, man. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye. All right.